Turn with me again, please. Judges chapter 6. And we are still in that short passage we have been looking at in verses 25 through verse 32. And we read it in your presence again this morning, conscious that it is repeated and realizing that it is nothing that I could say that will help our souls, as does the pure, simple Word of God. It is necessary that we hear His Word above all else. Judges chapter 6 and verse 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. And take the second bullock and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was. Because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day. And he did it by night. (coughs) Excuse me. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it and the second bullet was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die. Because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself. Because what hath cast down his altar? Therefore, on that day, he was called Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. (coughs) Turn with me, please, again, and stand with me. We sing together hymn number 80. Come, let our voices join to raise 
the sacred song of solemn praise. God is a sovereign king, rehearse his honor in exalted verse. Come, let our souls address the Lord, who framed our natures by his word. He is our shepherd, we the sheep. His mercy chose his pastor's key. Come, let us hear his voice today. The counsels of his love obey. Nor let our hardened hearts renew the sins and plagues that Israel knew. Come, let us turn with holy fear to him who now invites us near. Accept the offered grace today, nor lose the blessing by delay. Come seize the promise while it waits and march to Zion's heavenly gates. Believe and take the promised rest. Obey and be forever blessed. Thank you. Be seated. <clears throat> this morning we will take up again our attempt to study together this portion of the book of Judges, this record of God's judges in Israel, <clears throat> and specifically this morning, the record of this man, Gideon. We have undertaken to treat of this passage as I had expressed to you by the method of extracting from it the lessons embedded there for our everlasting instruction. So far in our messages, we have looked at four lessons embedded in this text. Number one, of course, was under that title, and Brother John, I don't know that I actually put the title in all the bulletins, you may go back and put them on sermon audio if need be. But that first lesson that we undertook, I undertook to show it to you under the title, 
Start now. I showed us out of that first phrase in verse 24 that when God's righteousness is revealed in the soul of man, war is immediately declared. And I brought an entire message on that single thought. Start now. As soon as God's righteousness is revealed in the soul of a man, we saw in Gideon, immediately war is declared. And that has not changed. The second lesson that I gave to you in the next message, under the title, Judgment Begins at Home. We gleaned this lesson that all of God's judgment against sin in this world, and of course, that's where this story is going, is it not? Gideon will eventually be allowed to address this heathen, oppressing, oppressive body of Midianites and the sin that they have brought to Israel, but before any judgment is brought against Gideon and judgment brought against sorry against the Midianites and against sin, it must first be executed in the individual heart, <clears throat> in the saints. And of course, all of this passage. All of this passage, verse 25, 26, 27, all of those verses show us this truth, this lesson that judgment must begin in the heart of the saint before it's executed in the world. Then thirdly, in that same message, I gave you a second lesson, another lesson, that is that our God is never without hands to do his work when the time comes for it to be done. Verse 27 in the first phrase, then Gideon took ten men of his servants. God is never without hands. God is never without hands. And then fourthly, on last week, in verse 27 again, looking at verse 27 again, we saw clearly displayed under the title, Whose Son Are You? We saw that the saints' declaration of war against God's enemies cannot hope to avoid his or her own family. Whose son are you? When the saints' declaration of war against God's enemies cannot hope to avoid his or her own family, indeed, I said, it must begin there. Discriminating grace will draw clear lines. 
And I set before you that word, that challenge from the scripture, who is on the Lord's side. That line can and must be drawn. And Gideon is the testimony of it. Now today we turn to this passage again, which I've read again in your hearing, to apply our souls yet another great lesson, plainly legible on the pages of this record. Especially in the context of this discriminating grace, and particularly as the holiness of that grace begins to work out in the lives of God's people as it did in Gideon, as he set about the work of destroying the idols in his own heart and in his own family and building the altar of God as that holiness is worked out, as that grace is worked in and holiness worked out in the lives of God's people and especially as it is brought to bear on one's own family, then it is impossible that we would miss this lesson under the title of Impotent Fools and Impotent Gods. I give you this lesson. Wherever the holiness of our God is displayed, Immediately, the unbridled, unmitigated hatred of fallen men will be poured out in torrents of violent rage. All oh, the verses, 28 and 29, I say it again, whenever the holiness of our God is displayed, Immediately, the unbridled, unmitigated hatred of fallen men will be poured out in torrents of violent rage. Every page in the annals of human history is stained with the blood of this awful truth. Verse 28, and when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it and the second bullet was offered upon the altar that was built and they said to one another who had done this thing. And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon the son of Joash hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that it may die, because he hath cast down the ark of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. No sooner had the holiness of our God been displayed than this response, this Immediate, natural response is their unmitigated, unbridled hatred. Hatred for the holiness of God poured out in violent torrents of rage. 
Gideon had done nothing. Gideon had done nothing but remove the faults and pagan idols of the heathens around Israel. Gideon had done nothing but to restore a true altar to the God of Israel. And this is very clear. We know that this is how Joash saw it. We listen to Joash's testimony in response to this violent crowd. And we know that it's true that he had done nothing but restore the altar of the God of Israel. His was nothing less than an act of loyalty. Patriotism in its right definition and righteousness. But Israel had left her God. Israel had come to love Baal, the God of this world. And the love of this world cannot abide the love of God. Here is a truth too plain to bear debate. The world despises the holiness of God. Blessed John Hill, somewhere in the early 1700s, said this. Believers are God's heritage and therefore exposed to the persecuting rage and malice of men. Look through all the ages of the world and of the church and you'll find the people of God have been a poor and an afflicted people. Their refuge is on high. Christ is their strength. If they had any quiet among the nations at all, it arises from him who ruleth in the nations or who cutteth off the spirits of princes. John fifteen nineteen said, Because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore the world hateth you. This is a lesson that cannot be missed. The rage, the violence, the unbridled and unmitigated hatred of this people for the righteousness of God. Oh, <laughs> listen to the teaching this morning of our Lord in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. It's all together too clear. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. That when they deliver you up, take no thought how, how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And listen to verse 21. The brother shall deliver up the brother to death. The father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. 
But when men, when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. The disciple, verse 24, is not above his master, but the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he is as his master and the servant as his Lord. They have called the master of the house Beelzebub. How much more shall they call them of his household? Let it not be missed this morning. Learn a lesson from Gideon this morning. No sooner than the righteousness of God is displayed in a man's life and the hatred of the world be poured out on his heart beginning in his own household. Luke chapter 23 and verse 31 our Lord has warned us if they do these things in a green tree what shall be done in a dry hmm. oh my dear sainted friend this morning think not that you shall slip into the kingdom of our God on beds of ease or with the applause of approval from God's enemies. Can I repeat that admonition to your heart? Think not that you will slip into the kingdom of our God on beds of ease or with the applause of approval from God's enemies. I know I've referred to it before and I know it's trite. It was trite in its own context. But the words are absolutely true. That old silly song we used to sing. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Oh, that we would believe it. You will not escape this war. If righteousness reigns in your life, you will not be the friend of the world. These Jews here in our context, these Jews whose law demanded that no man be condemned until he is heard, here demanded that Gideon be killed immediately without even a trial. And that he be killed for doing exactly what their own law required. One commentator put it well when he said this. All of this reveals how strangely mad and infatuated with their lusts these people had become and how quickly idolaters will become persecutors. And you better make note of that and you better hold on to it in the days ahead 
for ourselves in our own lives, in our own country, and our own situation. You better not forget that I said to you that these people filled with their lust will quickly, idolaters will quickly become persecutors. It's no different today. Everyone today that we hear in our media and all through our culture, everyone everywhere is demanding equal acceptance of all things except the demands of God. Everything except holiness. And this God-given Bible standard, everything is acceptable but holiness. Oh, but notice with me, Gideon prevailed. <laughs> Our God will always preserve his honor and rescue his testimony. Look at verse 21. Joash said to all, all that stood against him, will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it's yet morning. If he be God, let him plead for himself because one hath cast down his altar. God delivered Gideon and preserved him. Notice with me, Gideon prevailed. Oh, how well did that beloved John Hill in another place put it when he said this. There is a lion in the very way wherein Christ hath appointed that we should walk. You hear him now? You hear what he's saying to us? There is a lion in the very way wherein Christ hath appointed that we should walk. Opposition from without and from within. Inbred lust endeavoring to make a prey of us. Satan the destroyer is never off the watch for us. In holy ordinances, I ask you, are we free from sinful and unruly thoughts? No. Even our very food, is it not poisoned by the corrupt doctrines of seducing teachers? The still waters of the sanctuary are muddied by the outbreakings of our own corrupt lusts. Hmm. There are some who climb over the wall to kill and steal and destroy. And whence is it, whence is it any of us escape? So many and so subtle enemies. It is but because we have protection from our good shepherd who stands and rules in the strength of the Lord. Micah 5 verse 4. In the majesty of the name of the Lord is God so that he who ruled him shall abide. The whole kingdom of Satan, the strongholds of sin, the high imaginations and all the strength and malice of the world sink before him. Every difficulty which lies in the way, thou shalt break through. Micah 2 and 13, thou shalt break through. 
No, but thy king shall pass before thee and the Lord on the head of thee. Hallelujah. Gideon prevailed. God prevailed in Gideon. <laughs> oh, yes. Times have not changed. Men's hearts have not changed. Depravity has not changed. The ever wise Timothy Rogers in his own day in 1615 found it to be so. He said this, listen, testimony now, 1615, Timothy Rogers. He said the poor man Gideon here had not more ado to save himself from this furious multitude than the minister today. In many places where the gospel has not prevailed. And by the way, that be here in America. In your day, in our day, in our time, the gospel has not prevailed. Timothy Rogers said this poor man, Gideon, in this text, he didn't have any more ado to save himself from this crazy multitude than the minister does today in many places to defend himself from a swarm of hornets which fly about his ears ready to sting him might I not rather have said from wild beasts that are seeking to devour him by the accursed reproachful slanders and violent tongues for casting their bail to the ground. The modern preacher will find it to be as so as it was in the life of Gideon, as it was in the life of Timothy Rogers in 1615. The modern saint will find it be equally so, just as surely as the holiness of God reigns in your heart and life, and you set about throwing down the bells of this world, you'll find them swarming around you to destroy you. Hadn't changed today. Oh, my dear beloved saint, never you be deceived when grace throws down the idols in your life. Baal's followers will call for your head. And some of them will be your own flesh and blood. It is not the hatred for godliness per se. Oh, there's, <laughs> there is among unbelievers a great host of do-gooders. And I thank God that they do good. I'm glad for the good they do. But you better learn this. It is not the hatred for godliness per se, but the hatred for God. And his claim to exclusive rights. That's what they hate. Oh, it's not, it's not their hatred for godliness. It's their hatred for God and his claim to exclusive sovereign right. Gideon didn't go and build a great altar to Jehovah, 
beside Baal's altar. He didn't go even and build a greater, a greater altar to Jehovah beside Baal's altar. He tore down Baal's altar and built God's in its place. And this is what the broken, depraved heart hates. Their hatred is not just because we wish to serve our God, but that we demand that no other God be served. <laughs> you get it? Well, I hope you've got it. I hope you've got it. You're going to need it in the days ahead. You're going to need to remember this word of counsel. Oh, listen to me. It's not just because we serve our God. It's because we demand that no other God be served. That brings the wrath of depravity upon us. It is this message that galls their already seared conscience. The prophet said, Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. You recognize the exclusivity of this message. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me, verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me, there is no other Savior. It is not our godliness that galls them alone. It is not that we want to serve and obey our God that calls them. It's that we demand that there is no other God that galls them. In our day of egalitarian humanism, this is the message of truth that will rouse the dragon of persecution afresh and stir men's evil hearts to cruelty. But this is exactly the message that's needed today. The exclusive, sovereign rights of our Christ. But now I must hasten to bring you yet another lesson from this text today. Read with me again verse 28 and verse 31. Verse 28 said, And when the men of the city rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. Verse 31, And Joash, Joash said to all that stood against him, Will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it's yet morning. If he be God, let him plead for himself because one hath thrown, cast down his altar. I'll give you another truth this morning, another lesson this morning. 
that the triumph of our God in supremacy is inevitable. The triumph of our God in his supremacy is inevitable, irresistible, unchallenged, and eternal. The supremacy and the triumph of our God is irresistible, unchallenged, eternal, inevitable. Oh, blessed be the name of our God when Israel woke up. You listen now. When Israel woke up from their beds that morning, (laughs) Baal had been burned. And on a new altar, an altar dedicated to the one and only true God, on a new altar was the smoldering flesh of a sacrifice to Jehovah. And its smoke fragranced their nostrils. They got up early to come and worship their God. But our God had destroyed him. And that sacrifice was none other than the very bullock they had cherished for seven years to be given to Baal. And the wood used to flame that sacrificial offering was none other than the precious grove they had dedicated to Baal. (laughs) Do you see the thoroughness of our God's victory, our God's supremacy, our God's deliverance? Oh, our God has come now when we get down to verse 28. Our God has come and Satan has lost everything. The idol, it's gone. The altar, it's gone. The grove, it's gone. That special bullock, that special sacrifice, it's gone. Everything is swept away like a particle of dust in the face of a tornado. It's swept away. Nothing can withstand his sovereign power and purposes. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Thank God for showing me the truth of his word, the reality of his person. I remember those days when prayer was nothing more than a pitiful pleading with no hope of answer. When I thought salvation hung on the will and whims of Mortal men didn't realize that my God is sovereign and supreme in his power and nothing, nothing stands before him to hinder him. One commentator said it this way about this scene. He said the sun arose that morning with the fires of God burning and the sacrifices of obedience smoking in full view without the overshadowing groves right where Baal had been. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. 
the sovereign power of our God right where Baal had been. They got up and came and found a sacrifice to God. And the smoke of it filled their nostrils. I shared with you all before I know, but as I wrote those words some time back, I remembered that testimony of that dear brother from North Carolina talking about God saved him. He was a terrible drunk. Young man, young wife, young children on the pew. He said, I wasn't there when he turned water into wine. But I was there when he turned wine into milk and groceries. Oh, right there. Right there. It is hard. Where Baal had been, God set up a boat. And the smoke of the living sacrifice was going up every day. Hallelujah. I said his supremacy the display of his supremacy is inevitable irresistible unchallenged and eternal <laughs> oh listen to the testimony of one fool <laughs> one fool who learned this lesson you know it you're familiar with it but I read it anyway. Daniel chapter 4. Here's a fool that learned this lesson. <laughs> oh, in the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift up mine eyes unto heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High. And I praise and honor him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. I say to him, what doest thou? Hallelujah. Oh, that fool learned a lesson. He learned a lesson. <laughs> he learned that God is invincible, that his purposes are sovereign, unchallenged, irresistible, and eternal. <laughs> well, listen to the testimony of another, a blessed prophet, Nahum. Nahum chapter 1, God is jealous. The Lord revengeth. And is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And will not at all equip the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind. And in the storm. And the clouds are the destiny's feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry. And drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth. And Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languishes. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein 
Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is God, a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knoweth them that trust in him. Hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> testimony after testimony after testimony. Verse 9, what do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up a second time. Bless his holy name. Oh, take this lesson. Take this lesson. Take this lesson to your hearts this morning. Our God is sovereign, supreme, and unhindered in all his works. His enemies, our idols, will be destroyed when the angel comes to do his work. Oh, if you want to read, if you would like to see in the scriptures, need a reference for a complete theological treatment of idolatry, you need look no further than Isaiah 44. But here in verse 31 of this chapter, Joash summarizes the whole textbook in just these short words. If he be God, let him plead for himself. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, you can get a full theological treatment in Isaiah 44. But Joash Nailed it all in these simple words. If he be God, let him plead for himself. <laughs> Whoa, hallelujah. So what then? Well, these folks must choose. And so, may I add, so must you. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 19. What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship. With devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord. And the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table. And the table. Of devils. You're going to have to choose. They. Are going to have to choose. In this text. Defend your idols. If you will. But you'll only die with them in the end. Oh, that end. I don't have time this morning. I wanted to. If you want to see what that end looks like, Revelation chapter 19, verse 1 through 8, there's where the end comes for all these idols. Now this morning, before we leave this glorious text, may I just encourage your heart with just one other brief lesson from this record. 
I know there are many more. I know I've left behind a great deal in these messages. But I give you just one more lesson in parting. Could I just encourage you with this lesson? The power of a godly example cannot be measured. Verse 31. And Joash said unto all that stood against him. Not Gideon. Not Gideon. Him. Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will you plead for Baal? Will you serve him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it's yet morning. If it be God, let him plead for himself because one it cast down his altar. I mentioned this only briefly before, but now I would press it on your heart again. We don't know exactly how, and some of us have talked about it, since I started this section, we don't know exactly what happened to Joash. We don't know if Gideon came home after that first night that the angel appeared and he explained to his father what he'd experienced and what the, what the angel told him. We don't know. We don't know if he didn't know what was happening until this night that he tore all this down and burned Baal's altar and burned Baal's idol and burned the grove and then set up God's altar and burned a sacrifice to the Lord and then went home and got his father up and explained what he had done and what God was doing. We don't know if there was nothing to be known of it all until it all happened and Joash got up that morning and this had happened. We don't know any of those details. But this we know. God spoke to Gideon. And Gideon was moved to set God's right over everything else. And somehow, 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 God worked in Joash's heart. Oh, my dear saint, this morning, never tire. Never tire, my sainted friend. Never tire. Never give up while life remains for those you love. Who knows what the fruit of your faithfulness may yet harvest. Gideon had done right. He just obeyed and did right. And God turned Joash's heart. He had furnished the grove. He had furnished the bullock. He had furnished Baal and altar on his land. But God turned his heart. Could I just stir up your heart this morning to faithfulness with this sound, with this, with this thought? Could I just stir your heart to faithfulness with this thought? Salvation is not in the natural bloodline. That is, 
physical descendancy as our covenanting brothers say. Salvation is not in the natural bloodline, but oh, blessed be God, neither is damnation necessarily tied to it. <laughs> Did you get it? God wrought in Gideon's father. And so may he work in your blood kin. Galatians 6 and verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, Gideon. You're going to have to work tonight all night long. It's going to be hard work. But don't you be weary in it. You just don't be weary. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Oh, listen to the blessed words. Psalm 126. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Oh, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Be faithful. You don't know what God may do. One final word. One final word. And I'll close. The power of this godliness. The power of this godliness will leave behind a very clear perpetual testimony. Never to be erased. Look at verse 32. Therefore on that day he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him because he's thrown down his altar. He got a name change. And that name was to go with him for the remainder of his days. I said to you, the power of Godness will leave behind a very clear, perpetual testimony never to be erased. Jerubbabel. <laughs> May God help us. Turn with me and stand with me, if you will, please. And we'll close with the words of hymn number 166. Faithful, O Lord, thy mercies are a rock that cannot move. A thousand promises declare thy constancy of love.
Faithful, O Lord, thy mercies are a rock that cannot move. A thousand promises declare thy constancy of love. Thou waitest to be gracious still, thou dost with sinners bear. That said we may thy goodness feel and all thy grace declare. Its streams the whole creation reach. So plenteous is the store. Enough for all, enough for each, enough forevermore. Throughout the universe it reigns, it stands forever sure. And while thy truth, O God, remains, thy goodness shall endure. Amen. Mm -hmm.